everybody, and welcome back to the Rogue Agronomist Podcast with Kyle from Stall Agronomy. And today's guest was Andy Setzer from the Goddess of Green from Twitter. So join me as I go into the Zoom recording, and we'll start it right now. So Angie's here. So that's different. So you're my first guest since my wife was on here, and Megan just asked me a bunch of questions because she has no clue what I do every day. So oh, that's been fun. Yeah. Um. I think I put on here, how, how do we know each other? <laughs> right. I think pretty much it's just been like Twitter for the most part. Um, yeah. We have some mutual, like, I don't know, I'm not going to call them friends. We'll just call them acquaintances. Um, I don't really know Karen. I've never met Karen personally or like in person. I've uh, never either. Isn't that Really? Funny? Yeah, I've never met Karen in person. I've met Jen five or six different times, but not Karen. So yeah, Karen, so I think Karen went to school with Jim Doolittle. I don't know if you know mm -hmm. Jim. So then Jim and I worked together, and Jim's like big buddies with Karen. And then Karen, uh, one of the guys I used to work with at the previous co-op, is actually um, a client of Jen's. Or oh, okay. Karen. So Karen, him and Karen know each other really well. And then I think when I first started doing this podcast, Randy was like pushing Karen to be on my podcast. And I'm like, I don't know if I want Karen on. He's like, why not? Like, I don't really know Karen. At all. Right? That's what you have to be able to feel comfortable having a conversation. You know, like I don't know what do agronomists talk about? Do you guys fight? Do you have beefs? Like, uh, do you, you know what I mean? Like grain marketers have people that they honestly like in like from Twitter. You know what I mean? Or in general, like they have people who are like, oh, you know, like to heck with that guy or whatever. Do you, like, do agronomists? Do you guys kind of? I've got. It's not like I hate the other agronomists. I have like other sales guys that I'm just like, this guy, the, the best one I had recently was I had a customer who was like, I really want to do business with this guy. And then like I sell seed and then I do consulting. Yeah. I'm like, all right, fine. Buy, buy your inputs from him. I don't care. And he's like, oh, I just, he's just such a nice guy. I'm like, dude, the guy's an idiot when it comes to agronomy. Like, <laughs> yeah, but he's just yeah. a really nice guy. And he tells me that I plant like the straightest rows. I'm like, dude, you plant with auto steer. I'm like, yeah, he tells me what I want to hear. <laughs> like, it's just like being broke up again in high school. Like, yeah, I told him, I was like, I'll just blow smoke up your ass. If you want to buy more. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, really? you want me to tell you you're pretty? Cause you're pretty. <laughs> like I promise. But I wondered, yeah. Cause we have certain, not so much in the cash side. Well, I take that back. I'm the person everyone hates. <laughs> like, so I, I'm always like, Hey, I don't have any problem with you. It's like that episode of the Sim Simpsons when uh, Lisa and Mo are talking and he's like something about, you know, well, I know we hate each other, but we have to, and she's like, I don't hate each other. I don't hate you. And he's like, I continue, you know, and I'm like, I'm yeah, Lisa. like, I don't hate you, but I, I a lot of people, I got guys that are like, oh, you must hate people that sell the cow. And I'm like, I used to sell the cow too. So right. what? why do I hate them? And you're like, well, that their stuff's better than yours. I'm like, really? Do you, do you really think no. that? Like, mm, There's yeah. a lot of parody and <laughs> like, it's not yeah. that bad. Yep. No, I feel that. So, but yeah, so we know each other and we can't have beefs because I don't know anything about really what it is that you guys do. So cool. And I don't post like, anything. The better you are yeah. at your job, the better I can be at mine. Because the more my grower grows, the more I have to market. And I don't so, post anything on the uh, the Facebook group of the Green Marketing Facebook group. So I guess right. nobody you haven't. It, you, know. you should. <laughs> <laughs> you should post something about how corn's going to five dollars, so I can respond oh, with the laughing emoji. Because <laughs> that I don't even say anything anymore. Just when people post something dumb, I just put the ha ha face. Jeez. So that's really. <laughs> 
so terrible. Corn's going to go to fight. It's, everybody's blowing their corn under <laughs> in Iowa. Yeah, so it's always a good time. But, but yeah, so that's how we know each other is really through social media. And I like to watch. I like to learn about agronomic things. Um, I especially enjoy learning from people who are independent in that sense that, you know, there is a certain level of um, just kind of feeling comfortable that the information isn't skewed in one way or the other. So I always really enjoy listening or looking after what you have to say. And also, I think we really kind of operate in similar areas. So that's cool too. You know, like where I'm at in Michigan, where you're at and not Michigan, um, we're pretty similar. I think. Yeah, even like um, we were watching the rain last night, and it's funny how Lake Michigan affects us. It's yeah. I grew up in Northwest Indiana, and in Northwest Indiana, we get bad storms. When I yep. come to Wisconsin, it's like we don't ever get bad weather here because the lake always seems to like just stop it, like yeah. 30, 40 miles out. So it's pretty much my guys don't get the rain, and Western Wisconsin always gets it. That's how we are here because the lake kills it. It absolutely yeah. kills it, and so. The weirdest thing I've ever experienced in Wisconsin is a storm went through. We were at my in-laws. So a storm went through and it was a bad storm and it passed. And then it was almost like it turned around and came because they're in Eau Claire. So okay. they're Western, right? Yep. Like my, a friend of mine from Wisconsin calls it like Minnesota light or whatever. But, and then it like came back from the east like i was absolutely blown away by and it was worse when it came back <laughs> i was like yeah. did it not please like, well, so we get that stuff too it'll like well like last night it was like swirling above us and sometimes it'll come from the south sometimes they come from the north it's just it's weird yeah yep so it's and raining then, here right now but we definitely needed this um so i'm not sad so i got i think monday we had monday or was it Tuesday? We had two inches where I had guys that didn't get rain for like a month. Really? And then the guys who've been getting the rain were complaining that they didn't get any rain. I'm <laughs> like, dude, your guys' crops aren't burning up like ours. So right? Yeah, you're out. sitting better. It's okay. I know you wanted the rain ideally, but yeah, you know that's I see that this time of year has been rough because there are. I feel it across like you can see it across Twitter too, where it's like, okay, now Iowa, legit man, Western Iowa is is toast like you look at the last 90 days i'm not saying the crop necessarily but there's not any way that they could produce a record crop with how dry they've been because i just put it into perspective of how dry we've been and we're only like yellow on the drought monitor they're red you know and so they do have a significant amount more subsoil but um so i always try to put it like into the perspective of that like we're dry but we're not that dry you know what i mean like i guess count your blessings or whatever I had guys that want to go out to Iowa and look, and they're like, oh, I better get out there really quick. I'm like, well, why? Oh, that corn is going to stand back up. I'm like, corn after tassel doesn't stand back up, guys. No. And it's no. the same guys that when their corn goes down before tassel, and I'm like, oh, it'll come back up. They're like, you're full. Of <laughs> <laughs> really? You're right. I am. I am right. That's right. That's, I, uh, um, yeah, I mean, what's down's down out there. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it looks like overall. I think the drought has more of an impact than the right, Joe. I just think it's unfortunate on both sides. But I think everyone losing their mind and thinking we lose billions of bushels worth of production or something like that, you know, take it, take a step back, you know, be careful with getting too, too uh, cranked up about something and, you know, but. We've, our local ethanol plant closed in April. And they're not predicting to be back open until January. Oh, that's and that's where I'd say 
50, 60% of our corn goes around here. So yeah. I don't know what those guys are like our co-ops around here, all the grain locations, that's where they haul in season. They don't, I mean, nobody has the storage to hold everything. No. So, and we don't have on-farm storage in Southeast Wisconsin is not really not that big. And so, yeah, yeah it, it mostly all goes straight in there. So those guys are going to be missing out quite a bit. So I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to be, there might be some long lines. It's going to Yeah. People so. getting full. I mean, the nice thing, at least, is you're going to run into the oil thing, you know, because you can pile corn. But, yeah. you know, are you prepared to pile corn out there is the big question. The biggest thing that no one ever seems to understand, and maybe this year it won't be as much of a problem since we've been so dry and are ahead of, you know, where we are at maturity. But the biggest thing that we always run into is just drier capacity. Like it's yep. not being able to put it somewhere. Like I have space. I can just only dry so much within a certain amount of time. And if you don't have a large enough wet holding, you're hosed, you know, like you're just kind of stuck. And so the words I hate to hear the most during harvest time are backed up to the dryer because that just means that we're waiting for the dryer to dry so we can put more room into the wet space. And I'm going to get phone calls from farmers that are yelling at me because they can't get dumped in back to the field. Which the last two years we really haven't run into too awful much because harvest has just been for a hundred years. It's just lasted forty days and forty nights for each soybeans and corn. So we usually don't run into dryer issues here. Um, the only years I remember dryers, people waiting on the dryer was like oh nine and okay, yep. Um, when you were really wet. So do you guys dry down over there then? Like you're able to really kind of dry down in the field. Yeah, right. usually I get, I get quite a few guys that will grow shorter season corn so they get dry corn. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of retired dairy farmers that just still farm. So those guys are always like, you know, they're they're looking at, you know, we will start at 24, 25 yeah. and, and dry it down just because we think we can lose a little bit less in the head and out the back. And there's, there's a lot of guys that wait until it's really dry. So they'll wait till 16, 17 before they get going. Do they, how long does it take before you get that way? Are you October, November still, or are you like November, December and they don't care? Yeah, it's usually mid October will be in, I mean, it, this year it'll be probably early October, but um, there's a lot of years where it's, I mean, last year I, I took a plot off the day or two days after Christmas. So yeah, right. But, I've been there. Yeah. Last couple just, of years that's, yeah. And I didn't clean my way wagon off and then it got salt on it so now it's all rusty again so that's nice. fun um Ugh. yeah we both live in cities that are really hard to pronounce apparently but yours is hard to pronounce it just mispronounced all the time and it so now i'm broken because i can't see charlotte and think charlotte <laughs> anymore it's charlotte which is what we call it here for some reason yeah and I'm, everyone off. i work with a guy whose girlfriend is charlotte so really <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So when I see that, I'm like, oh, that's Char I'm Charlotte. That's right. Yeah, right. Try to get people to pronounce Waukesha or Conemwalk or Exonia's kind of a. <laughs> when I first moved here, it was it was a little bit of a learning curve, <laughs> all the town names. Yeah, Wisconsin's super fun. Wisconsin's even more fun with the the names than Michigan, and we have a lot of them. Like we have, you know, Mackinac, spelled two different ways. Mackinac is the island, and Mackinac is the city. So that's odd. Uh, and then we have Ypsilanti, which is fun. It starts with a Y. So I would imagine in that instance, the Y is a uh, uh, what it, vowel. Yeah. You know, sometimes Y, and you can never think of ways Y is a verb or a vowel. At least I can't. But. So, yeah. I grew up in Indiana where we were Walkerton and Plymouth and South Bend. And it was. Walcott is the weirdest one. Walk, Walcott? 
they well we say walcott but down there i get do they say it different in indiana or did they are they just jerking so. probably just jerking my leg <laughs> They're probably can't trust here, those guys they know who they are oh uh, it's unless it's a guy from like south of 40 or something michael mccamick's one of those guys that uh he's from south of 40 so like when i see him in his face and i'm like all right yeah you know then i hear yeah. his voice and i'm like what the frick is that <laughs> <laughs> what happened to you yeah these guys <laughs> so are it's uh, Trent Hall and Doug Morehouse, so I don't know where they are exactly. I'm like, show me on the state where you're from so I can forget again, because that's basically how I roll. Yeah, it seems like if you get south of Indianapolis, that's where everybody gets that weird accent. Where they're all weird? Because it's half Kentucky. What happened so, to the Girls Talk Act podcast? What happened? It's yeah. still there. It's kicking. Well, I know it's still there. I listened yeah. to it when I mowed the yard yesterday. So. Yeah, so for me, I just it was harder for me to really kind of one of the things that I'm doing, you know, I've moved back to Michigan and when I was out in Iowa, it was kind of like the, uh, um, it was like my ability to talk to people because I was working from home in Iowa and I wasn't really, um, getting around a lot of people. So I was talking to farmers all, all day, which is great, but sometimes you need a little bit more in the way of a, a sanity sort of, I don't know, female, uh, as a woman, you know, it was nice to be able to get on and have conversations and, and really just kind of explore that whole way of, of doing things. Um, but for me, it really got hard because I was doing the editing and some of the other th things to go along with it. And that's a character flaw on my part and just kind of a perfectionist. So I was always like, ah, I can do the editing, I have time. And once I moved back to Michigan, it got harder to do it. And I had to make a decision too. Um, you know, when I was, I was out in Iowa, I was doing a lot of traveling and speaking at different places and, and you know, if someone invited me to, to go to Fargo, North Dakota in March, I was like, sure, why not? I'll put on the snowshoes, you know, and I would load Colton up and we would travel. But then he got older. He was over two, so he wasn't free anymore to fly, which became a bummer. Um, and uh, I moved back to Michigan and I, I had to make a decision about which direction, you know, my career was going to go to a certain extent. Um, did I want to focus on the analysis and the being a... Um, whatever you know being an, an advocate i guess and, and not like but you know being in the forefront and being out speaking and being on uh podcasts and some of these other things and or did i want to really focus on like understanding some additional tools for my growers and really kind of learning how to do better at what i was do what i do for a living and so i really started focusing in that direction and it's 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 been a tough choice um just because I enjoyed the podcast and I loved having that conversation, but they do phenomenal now. So they don't even, don't even miss me, you know, but, um, but it's a, it's been a good choice. Like I've really enjoyed seeing the growth in our business. You know, I've added two, um, two new people to the fold here over the last year, uh, three actually, because we hired an accounting assistant in, in August. So, you know, we've added three, three new folks and, um are working to to try to continue to grow and and so it's been like i said it was a tough decision you know it was a tough well, decision but it was a good one yeah and i had to do something like that last year so when i quit the co-op um i was going to be like a 50 percent full-time farmer and 50 percent like seed sales and the other stuff i do um and then i think it was like middle of last oh, the end of last summer um, I started basically picking up a bunch of consulting business and it was like, uh Oh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to really be busy as heck. And I literally had to make the same kind of deal. I was like, all right, it's either I farm or I just have my own business. 
And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'll help you as much as I can. But I'm like, I can't, I can't do this and do my other stuff. And, yeah. and he was okay with it. And then this spring, first day of planting, I'm there helping him get ready to go. Um, falls off the, uh, we were loading up the starter trailer for, uh, we have like a trailer, like a drop deck trailer. We put seed mm-hmm. in the starter on and uh, I'm literally hooking up the hose and I turn over and he reaches down to pick something up and takes a tumble off the trailer, oh. breaks his wrist. Oh, first day man. of planting. And I'm like, yeah. oh, great. And you know, and he's the guy that plants. Yeah. So then yeah, here I am planting corn for the first time ever in my life. So After I've heard about saying how- you don't want to, isn't it amazing how the yeah. universe can work? Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's been, I had to do so much for him this spring and then try to do all my own stuff. And, you know, it just, and then pretty much all summer he's been like, yeah, you know what? The home farm is where you planted. So of course I had to plant right outside of his window. (laughs) First time I ever planted on my own. And he's like, Oh, the rows aren't uh, perfect. And I'm like, you know, that's going to drop yield by at least 52%. (laughs) Yeah. Studies from Purdue have shown that non-straight rows just absolutely, you might as well just disc it under. Once it comes up and it's not straight, you might as well just give up. Light the field a, on fire. I've got a blog post I'm working on, and it's about the pursuit of perfection. And I'm like, it's just that's the little stuff like that, the crooked rows or yeah, you know, guys that'll you know. I work with different people. If there's like ten weeds in the guy's field, they're like, what happened? Did you, what what <laughs> did you guys do? And I'm like, Who cares? Did, he just, did he get hit by a car before he could spray? Like, obviously, that's the only like manageable excuse. Yeah, it's, and it's always like the neighbors call and everybody, what's going on with this guy's corn? I'm like, dude, yeah. mind your own. Stop. Yeah, just, just, and yeah, I think pursuit of perfection is huge. Um, I, I understand it's more of a human nature thing than just an agriculture thing, but you almost feel to a certain extent, you know, it goes back to that whole conversation about showing emotion as a big, tough farmer guy and some of these other things. And like, there was an experience expectation or there still is an expectation of perfection in a lot of our families and things that you know and so I feel that way in marketing like I see it in marketing like I can't sell at nine and a quarter and have it go to 950 even if 75 percent of my beans are unpriced on the way up to 950 because if I had that nine and a quarter sale then I didn't nail it it's not perfect I made this horrible glaring error everyone's gonna know I might as well wear a scarlet letter you know what I mean and it's 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 almost like the same sort of principle where, oh my goodness, my rows are a little uncrooked and oh, I didn't nail the high on the market side. So I might as well just like, just get under, give up, yeah. start over for next year. This year's a loss. Like get a mulligan. So know. I used to work at the, when uh, one of the co-ops I had, uh, the green location was actually where my territory is. Yeah. And I'd help dump green and fall and, you know, I'd, I'd run the scale and stuff too. And we'd have, there was one guy always came in and he'd have like, we'd ask him like, Hey Martin, what's your, uh, what's your beans running? Oh, like 55, you know? Like, okay. Yeah. And the next guy comes back in and it always happened. The guy would come in in front of him and be like, Oh man, do you hear what he's getting? He's getting like 75 bushel soybeans. And I'm like, <laughs> he told us 55 yeah. and he's like, right? oh, yeah, that's what he's telling everybody. And he pretty much what happens is he goes around and he's and everybody goes, he goes, well, what are you getting? And the guy will say 60. He's like, oh, I'm getting 65. You know, he just always right. everybody. Yeah, the one-upper. Everyone and knows a one-upper. I don't know what Those I'm doing wrong. Favorite. Martin's beans are yielding 75 bushels. <laughs> <I'm like, "Shit." laughs> it's like they never catch on. You're like, yeah. no, they're, no, they're not. No. Um, so you want to talk about mergers? Sure. <laughs> I think literally I, I think I sent you 
something to talk about that. And then the next day, I, I can't remember which green merger happened that you were like, I didn't even know about this. Yeah, yeah, here in Michigan, Cirrus yeah. uh, Co-op and Co-Alliance put together like this thing. And You didn't hear about that? I heard about that like a week ago. I know, I you right? Like that's, a, I, I knew about that. Sure. That's what someone else told me. I knew about that in June, which the, the article was from June, but <laughs> I was really kind of surprised that no one um, had any sort of level of um, communication about it in the meantime. I think it's probably a better deal for um, the growers, perhaps. Cirrus is really kind of taking on an identity here in Michigan, and I welcome some new blood. I don't, I don't know if you're supposed to say that or not, but you know, in this, in this today's day and age, it doesn't feel like we get new, new businesses coming in. It feels like the old business, you know, going into that merger sort of conversation, right? Like, um, you know, we don't really get to see someone come in and try their hand in the state that hasn't before. So Sears is, is good. They're from Indiana. A lot of my customers are freaking out because they think it's the land holding group, but I'm like, it's not two different things. Um, both being named after the goddess of grain though. I don't, you know, what are you going to do? But, um, I think, yeah, I didn't even know that was coming, but it was also serious in co-alliance, I guess. Um, and so that's the interesting part is you have two co-ops that are independent, I believe, because you're Indiana and they're Indiana co-ops. So you probably know more about the two of them than you have been Indiana anyway. I think I interviewed for an internship with co-alliance and I can't remember... If they were co-alliance then, I don't even remember. I remember meeting with like the CFO or whatever the heck it was. Um, yeah. And I was just like, what do you want me to do? And they're like, oh, yeah, your, uh, your internship will be like cleaning trucks and driving trucks. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, no, thanks. <laughs> like, I don't really want right? to be a glorified golfer all summer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, it sounds like fun, but nah. Yeah, I don't really want to be somebody's B word pretty much all summer. So. <laughs> right, yeah. I can do that on my own for my own business, which is exactly what it yeah. feels well, like now. I think I took an internship with FS and I was the seed sales intern for like two states. So it was, it was yeah. yeah, I was driving around with my own truck and looking oh, at it plots. Was way better. Yeah. I guess so, that goes back to the story of what are you using your interns for? You know, like yep. I got, oh, I got really in trouble one time because I, to me, like an, having an intern come in now would be, um, they'd be sitting next to me. They'd be doing, you know, making phone calls, asking questions, learning the ins and outs of the job. It wouldn't be like, oh, they're filing papers, they're doing this. And so I got in trouble. And I don't know which side of the aisle you're on. If you want to even bring it up, but I got in trouble being like, this is education. Like this is college. To me, an internship should be like an extension of a college class where you're in and you're learning and you're not necessarily getting paid but I learned really the hard way because everyone was really mad at me on Twitter that like you have to be careful because apparently people have been abused in those situations you know what I mean like the way I see someone coming in and interning um as a great opportunity to really learn the ins and outs of the business in a way that they would never be able you know what I mean like how many times do you get to intern with someone who's running a company like not but you, you don't get to, like the, the guy, the CEO or whatever, the, the, the vice president or whatever is have someone come in and sit next to him and be like, okay, these are all of the things that I do. So I guess my idea of an intern was different and I got in trouble because I was like free interns for everyone. And they're like, no. So I learned yeah, I had, a valuable uh, lesson that day. I worked with guys that their interns were pretty much fortified seed post pounders and 
Yeah, that's not fair. That you should be paid for. Like that's yeah. that's just taking advantage of an indentured servant, you know. Like yeah, we my well, typically for me, they would give me the intern for like a day or two a week. Uh, the mm -hmm. last job I had, and mine was walking fields with me, going to see growers. Just you know, yeah. we, we taught them a lot of stuff. But yeah, that's I, I just don't get the internships where they're just like they're pounding posts and just doing grunt work and cleaning trucks. Yeah. And yeah, I don't get that. That's not, that's not an intern. <laughs> that's not an internship. That's just hiring someone that you can't pay. You like you're convincing someone it's an abusive relationship. <laughs> you're like, no, everyone's like this. I promise. And they're like, well, it doesn't seem like it should be. And you know, like that's not, that's just horrible. But I learned, like I said, but so back to the merchers. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I am amazed. So you've got a fun list. Like, tell me yep. on your side of the business, the agronomy mergers are very obvious, I think, to everyone, right? Yeah, so like the nutrient one was a big deal for agronomy. I don't think, so in Wisconsin, we have like two nutrient locations, which is weird mm -hmm. to a lot of people. Um, there's not very many here. I think there's one in Janesville by us and then one in DeForest. And I think there's a few up north, but in our area, there's hardly any. Um, but nutrient controls, like potash corp controls, like most, mm -hmm. a big chunk of the potash market. Uh, Agrium, the former Agrium, they made like, I don't know how much of the nitrogen for the United States, but it were for the North America, it was quite a bit. Um, yeah. And those guys can sell stuff to farmers, pretty much what they can sell to the co-ops for. So Yeah, yeah, yeah they like, don't want the co-op involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I've got... Guys that just don't, I don't think, understand. I don't think it's a bad thing, but it's not, I don't know. Potash Corp is one of those companies that we deal with that, you know, the potash price is down. They're just like, well, we're going to shut down for maintenance for a week. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's like oil. It's like the oil, you know, they can't, they just shut it off yep. in order to raise the price. Yeah. And that yeah. seems to be happening every once in a while with them or um, Mosaic controls quite a bit of the phosphorus market and they'll be like, uh, we don't like the phosphorus price in the United States. We're going to take next month's production and ship it to India. And, yeah. you know, we're going to set the market there. And then, yeah, it's just, it's been interesting. It's a more of a world market. I always talk about that on the green side with guys. Um, when I first started up here, I'd have guys that'd be like, well, yeah, the corn's really bad this year. Why isn't the price higher? I'm like, yeah, right. well, it's really good in Iowa and Indiana and Illinois. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That doesn't matter. And then now it's getting to the point where it's like, it's really good in Brazil. And yeah. it's just yeah. kind of hard for guys to understand that that could happen. So we're but. in such a different world. Yeah. And that's, we are as nutrient taking on CPS was what was big here. Yeah. Okay. In Michigan. Um, when that happened, because it changed everything. And we're, uh, and I, I'm speaking completely out of turn, but we're, we're an independent agronomic, full service agronomic retailer here. Um, so it's definitely been something that I've been exposed to like a thousand feet away. You know what I mean? Like I'm not sure. running into it. Um, but I know it's been something that's created because we have a, a former CPS plant to the North. It's now nutrient and the way they do business now versus when they were CPS is kind of two very different things and they're much more aggressive. Yep. You know, um, and, and they're allowed to be aggressive because they control the entire, you know what I mean? Like you're, it's David and Goliath. Like you're basically trying to outguess them who has full control of everything that they're doing when it comes to being competitive on price. Yeah. And I, so I actually interviewed with one of the national retailers, uh, similar to Nutrien uh, a few years ago. 
And they're basically like, if your sales go down one year, you're fired. Yeah. I was like, yeah, no thanks. See you later. And right, exactly. But that's, those guys are going to be really aggressive just because mm -hmm. those guys are like, if they don't they perform, they're, they're gone. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, um, ugh, I don't know. Even it's like our, so our local co-ops, we have United Co-op around here, which is a big co-op mm -hmm. now. Yeah. When I first started here, I, I think there were like 10 or 12 locations. Mm -hmm. um, and then they've been merging with, well, merging. Uh, I think they're buying out quite a few. Uh, merging is like it, it, merging in the way that like the blob merges with whatever it runs over. Right. Like that's Yeah. And they've um, been, I mean, it just seems like every year they, they get like two or three more. Um, uh -huh. and they're, they're big and mm -hmm. they offer like these insane uh, patronage refunds. And yeah. it's just, it's really kind of weird how they do business. Um, when you, I worked at, they're basically their two competitors, biggest competitors in the state. That was where I worked. Um, mm -hmm. You can never figure it out. And it's just, yeah, they're getting bigger and bigger. But then the uh, one of the co-ops I used to work with is now merging with another co-op. And yeah. it's just, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing for guys. Um, I had a lot of people that always ask me when I worked at the co-op, they're like, well, is this good for us? And, you know, when you're the co-op guy, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be Yeah, great. it's the best. Thank God for this. Yeah, I get that. One of them's got like a website totally devoted to this merger, and it's like this is the best thing ever. You guys yeah. will just love this. This is gonna be so good for us. <laughs> Here's your Kool Aid. Yeah, that and that. So the company I used to work for, they let. Um, so they brought in a new CEO. Uh, the year I quit, so like three four months before I quit, then that September they let go a bunch of people, which Randy was one of those people, and then. It just seems like every three to six months, they're letting more and more people go. They're not even rehiring people. They're basically oh, no. not filling well, that's positions. That's the new thing right now. Yeah, is that you just ask more of the people that you keep because they should be so grateful that you kept them. Yeah, pretty much. And then those people are looking for other jobs like crazy. And it's yeah. just and I got a call from somebody uh, this spring asking me what the hell's going on. And this wasn't, uh, it wasn't a, uh, we'll just say it was a national media company. Well, I won't yeah. say who it was. It was kind of right. off the record. But um the editor actually called me and she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, yeah. Right. <laughs> like no comments. Yeah. And they're noticing more people like me uh going out on our own and doing our own thing. And they're like, and you're providing services. There's a lot more people doing that. Why is that? I'm like, I think a lot of these co-ops are kind of cutting the fat, but when they do that, they're kind of masking so much of these guys, they just can't keep up with service. Mm -hmm. Um, even my first job in Wisconsin, the guy who has that now has two territories, what used to be two territories. And yeah. he doesn't scout fields like I used to. He doesn't get or keep on yeah. top of stuff. He's probably drowning. He's drinking out of a fire hose, you know, like. Yeah. And a lot of his customers call me and ask me to look at fields. And I'm like, yeah, well, at some point you're going to have to buy stuff from me. Cause I was going to say, uh, guess what? It ain't free. Yeah, <laughs> at some point. <laughs> like, too much. You know, and I think that's, I think what a lot of the problem is now is that you have these large agricultural conglomerates that are being run by people that may not necessarily have the boots on the ground experience. Like I think there's been this push over the last 10, 15, 20 years to really put some of these MBAs in play, you know, like has he really worked his way up? He or she, you know, well, not necessarily, but he's really smart and uh, says yes when I want him to do things. And so I really just like his, 
you know, attitude. Let's go ahead and promote them. And so you continue to see the people promoted that aren't necessarily um, those that question or work to do better or may do those things that a lot of people higher up in position see as time. You know, like when you're servicing a customer, there's a lot of wasted time. Like yeah. we can lie to ourselves and say that there's not, but if you, you know what I, like if you really were, and when I say wasted time, I don't mean like throw it in the trash. It's worthless. I just mean, it's not when you're properly, properly servicing a customer, I don't just call them, tell them a price and have them sell. You know what I mean? It's how many acres do you have? Where are you sitting? What do you need to try to accomplish? And we may take 45 minutes on a phone call that results in nothing. Yeah. But target orders or something like that. And on the outside looking in, that's a waste of time, right? Because I didn't put, I didn't get 10,000, 15, 20, 100,000 bushels bought at that time. You didn't get, you know, whatever sold at that time. Um, and so these big co-ops that are cutting these people, they're really pushing to remove that, you know, because you have to, because you have to get that volume. But to get volume or to really service a customer, you, you can't do the things that these people are asking their employees to do and keep a farmer happy. I think you're losing a lot of the personal touch. So there's yeah. the, the one co-op, um, when I was leaving, they were implement, or implementing Salesforce. And they're like, you have to put every call in Salesforce. I'm like, what, what does it matter? <laughs> and so I'd, be scared. I'd be fired within the second day. Oh, like, they, you put anything into Salesforce, you're fired. I, I talked to one of the guys uh, a couple months ago, which is funny because he was like, ah, I might get fired and he got fired. Right? The next day. But um, I was like, how, how's Salesforce going? He's like, oh, every, every day we got to put our calls in and I spend two hours putting all my sales calls into Salesforce. I'm like, what does that do for them? And he's like, well, they can look and see what I do. I'm like, yeah. how is this helping you guys do your job? All it's doing is allowing you to be replaceable. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, really, let's be honest, like, yeah. it's turning you into a drone. Now I get an argument for wanting to know in case someone steps in, you know what I mean? Like if something happens, of course, it'd be great that everyone here would know exactly what they needed to do with my customers. But I think that's the guys that they're using is like, yeah, it's, it's so that we can help you if something happens or yeah. So if it were me, I'd be putting in like birthdays they, wrong and right. <laughs> yeah. And so we, if we feel you step out of line, you know, and maybe I just have a, a bad attitude to a certain extent because I've been so independent for so long. I mean, I'm really one of those, um, you know, special people that we we're not, a, I'm not a layer in an onion. I'm yeah. still a small business um, that everyone expected to, you know, die five or six, seven years ago. And I'm, too stupid to give up you know what I mean so we just keep fighting and making more people mad and stuff like that but um I see when I try to bring people in or when I have conversations with other people you know in different aspects of the market or in the industry like you can tell who's had self thought removed you know or independent thinking the ability to question you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's even what you wanted to get into. But as you merge and become larger, to me, I think that we form this re real risk of running into just group thought what, for everything and not necessarily having someone that questions, you know, the status quo to a certain extent. Yeah, and um, I, I just don't. 
I don't get getting really, really big. And they're, they're always talking about economies of scale for us. Um, yeah. The one was really big on like a central dispatch. And now they're all trying to do central dispatch, which is getting kind of nuts. Uh, central dispatch is just, to me, doesn't work perfectly. Um, I know one of them built like this big fertilizer facility and their, their whole goal is that you call in, you know, 12 hours before you need fertilizer, tell them where and when, and then they just show up and, and drop it off. And I'm like, you know how farmers work? I'm like, yeah, I've worked with farmers forever. You don't just assume that 12 hours from now, they're going to have be ready for it. Yeah. And you'd show up and they'll be like, Oh, well I was being kind of optimistic. I only need a hundred acres of that now not 300 acres. Yeah. And then here you're sitting with a truckload of blank and you can't get rid of it. And it's just going to make potentially even more headaches for guys. So. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I think that, like I said, I mean, I think that leaves openings for people like you or I, you know, but like you said, like, yeah, I'll come out and scout your fields. Yeah. I'll do all kinds of stuff, but, um, I'm not free. My time has value. Um, and I think that's important for farmers to recognize. And I, you know, I, and I think that's one of the struggles that I always try to, to introduce into the conversation on Twitter. Cause my, my goal on Twitter is never to really kind of pee in someone's Cheerios, but I do like to kind of push some of the way they might be thinking or what's been traditional, you know? And, and so a lot of times I think we all assume that our time really doesn't have value. Like time has no intrinsic, you know, it's just all intrinsic. It's not obvious. You know what I mean? Yep. At the end of the day, you, no one bills you for the 20 minutes you wasted or whatever, you know? Um, and so I think it's important for farmers to recognize too, you know, in, in this business, like, you know, I'll get people all the time that want to call and chat for 40 some minutes or so, which is all well and good, but, um, then they won't sell to me. They'll use whatever information they got and sell it to someone else, which I, I don't expect everyone to sell 100% of everything to me because sometimes I can't compete and I get that part, but sometimes they don't even let you compete. They just want your advice and move on. And that's just not how it works. Like I only have so much time in a day and, you know, and, um, but yeah, when it comes to mergers and services and customer service, I think customer service is going to be the biggest thing. So I send out a newsletter to people every two weeks and prospects pretty much. And, uh, well, my guys and prospects and yeah, I say guys too. That's my thing. I, I, oh, I, I always do that for that. I'm like, sorry. I got, I got in trouble. The, the producer on market to market the first time I was on. He's like, you can't. So I say folks and that makes me feel like a politician, but I guess. But anyway, <laughs> so I, I sent out this newsletter and I got people that like said that they will, they're like, I don't want to call you because if I call you, then you're going to charge me. I'm like, okay. how do you think I'm going to get new business if I'm not, you don't call me yeah. and I come and look at a few fields and we get to know each other. Yeah. So I literally had to like write in my newsletter, like, you know, Hey, you can still Speaking call me. To me is free still. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, but if you start to take advantage, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if we get to know each other and it's beyond that and I, you've become, you know, it's become to the point where you trust me and you want me to give you advice. I would feel it important that you respect that I should have the ability to make, you know what I Like we all need to feed our families. You know, yeah. I, I really, that's one thing I really crack up about, um, you know, the attitudes on Twitter, of course, is the, um, you know, the grain, evil grain merchandiser stick. 
you know, like I'm just supposed to be here and be happy with like $9 an hour doing something that, you know, most people don't really want to do with the crop that they grow. Like I have to figure out how to market this stuff too, you know, like it's not just buy low, sell high. If it were that easy, then everyone would do it, you know, but um, it's, yeah, it's interesting to see the changes in agriculture, you know, and they really continue. We've had a large company here on the, the um, Eastern, in the Eastern Corn Belt that, I mean, they've had three rounds of firing and reconfiguring and, you know, all of this stuff. And they're honestly probably not done, unfortunately. Yeah. And then all it does is all they've done is pile more work on to the people that were already overworked, making bitter, you know, making more people bitter. But the problem is the more mergers that you have, the less places there are to work. So then you're stuck, you yeah. know, unless you're capable of going out and doing your own thing, which isn't. That's not yeah. And it's, that's been scary too. Like I'm, you know, for me, if something really bad happened, I have insurance and everything, but it's like, it wouldn't take much to wipe me out, but right? at least I have insurance to cover everything, but it's just, yeah, yeah it's, it's a scary leap. Um, I think guys kind of, a lot of guys appreciate it, but then sometimes people are like, kind of like, Hey, that's just Kyle. He's, I'm like, no, this is like, this yeah. is not an easy thing to make a decision on. No, I got lucky. I have a wife that has insurance, so I can actually do right? it. So. Yeah, I I totally get that. And that it is hard. I see I see folks my age struggling with it right now where they're not happy with where they are. They have nowhere else they can go unless they A start their own thing or B leave the industry entirely and go somewhere else, which is funny because you will have other businesses that'll say they're looking for people, you know, but you already know that the the atmosphere in the company isn't one that you want to be in. Yeah. either you know so I just like I, I got really lucky when I was able to start here you know 10 years ago and and really have a boss that was like you know whatever you know just don't lose this money like as long as every month we see that we're making money then I won't you know I won't push you except for at the end of every year I'll tell you we should probably make some more you know <laughs> we really could make more money that would be cool you know what I mean but um, yeah, so I've, I've been able to kind of continue with some of that independence that not everyone in this industry has been able to, to embrace, you know? Yeah. Ag retail was always like, I, I had one year, where I think I got probably a 40, 50% increase. We had a really good year in 2012 and it sounds really bad, but we had a really good year in 2012, but, yeah, yeah. um, and the next year my boss was like, all right, uh, another 30, 40%. I'm like, oh, dude, I just about doubled my sales. Right. And now you want yeah. more. That's right. My boss always says, just make a penny more on every bushel. Yeah. At the end of every year, it's a penny. Okay, great. Good job. Next year, make a penny more. And I'm like, that's not possible. Like, <laughs> do you know how hard it was to make the pennies that I did? You know, <laughs> like, gosh. But yeah, I, I feel that for sure. Yeah. And I, I don't know. We, we've not had much for like green mergers here. Usually it's just our local co-ops and that's mm -hmm. pretty much where everybody goes. Um, I've had guys my best experiences have been the guys that are just like, I'm going to build green bins. I'm like, that's yeah. great. They're going to cost you money every year. No, they don't. They make money. I'm like, no. <laughs> They're as close to a money tree as you can get. My favorite was the guy, I had a guy core a bin for the first time. First time he's ever cored a bin. And he Ooh. calls me and he's like, you guys stiff me big time. What the frick is this crap? And I'm like, you cored a bin. That's going to have a lot of fines. And you know, that's yeah. the way it is. There's a reason it's called the core. <laughs> yeah. 
That's why I, you know, and you could see it um, when we were out there in, in with, you know, Wisconsin, you could see the difference in the on-farm storage. And, you know, that's part of my gig, um, you know, is I embrace, I want farmers to grow more bins because that's really my, my bread and butter, you know, is to help the farmer with bins understand how to use them to make sure. money. You know, like you said, you know, they're not, it's not a money guarantee. Like, believe me, I've seen a lot of people, I mean, and it's getting better, I think, as more education is put out there. But, you know, the idea that, well, if I just put it in at harvest time, I don't really have to manage it. I just open it like a piggy bank. You know what I mean? Like, I'll just, when I need some cash, I'll just ship some bushels. Who cares what happens? We'll figure it out. You know, and it's like, well, you know, you're leaving. Like, I've, I've seen people, you know, leave 15, 20, 30, 40 cents just because they've always done it one way and they don't really want to spend a whole lot of time learning the other way. And, um, you know, from a grain standpoint here, the biggest mergers that you're seeing are generally quiet ones. Like you are seeing like United Co-op buying in and like, you'll see like a group like Romark buy or take part in, in, you know, an acquisition or something like that. And then, of course, you have like Costco getting involved in certain businesses and you have uh, Bungie and, you know, you have some of these relationships and, and major grain handlers that, you know, it's not someone buying someone outright. It's more um, now they're working together. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and it's, it's almost good and bad. It's good in the sense that it increases infrastructure and market availability because it makes them more comfortable to be able to maybe sell into a a bigger market than, than what they were, you know, some of these um, export numbers that we've seen lately, you know, wouldn't necessarily be possible if we didn't have some of these groups working together to have large export terminals or something like that. Um, but at the same time, you know, I don't know, it goes back, like you said, the service thing, like you get, get bigger and bigger and bigger in grain. And then these businesses are really just teaching, grow, teaching younger kids how to originate but they're not teaching them why they're doing the things that they should be doing from a marketing standpoint. And to me, honestly, how do you properly explain or teach or help a grower if you don't know why you're doing it yourself? Like you're just doing it because someone told you that you should. And so I feel that there's a big um, hole to a certain extent in, in some of that education that some of these folks are getting now. Yeah. And it's like in agronomy to us, there's more and more apps and, Mm -hmm. um, literally like right now there there's a couple different apps where you can just take a picture of a weed and it tells you what it is or disease or anything else. And it's like, these kids are never going to learn, you know, to kind of understand why it's there. It's just going to be like, all right, you have this, we'll just spray it with this. Cause that's what this thing says. And yeah. uh, that's the concern I have going forward. I mean, you don't, you don't learn a lot of that stuff in college. I mean, in college, they pretty much like teach you formulas and, you know, how to calculate soil samples or read soil yeah. samples and stuff like that. But it's not all the other stuff that I've learned over the years has been real world experience. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's more important than anything for me. Uh, my biggest learning experiences have been, you know, I've lost a lot of money doing stuff. <laughs> and then I have to try to CYA, you know, and, and get it back and, and then not do it again. You know what I mean? Like, my boss has always been one that he's like, all right, well, we learned our lesson. You know, we learned our lesson, right? Like we have one opportunity to, to make one, you know, this mistake, you know, and, and just like in anything else in this business, like sometimes it might not feel like a mistake. You realize it's a mistake later, you know, yep. and then you're like, crap, you know, <laughs> like if I didn't know now and I, you know, 
but um or if i didn't know then what i knew now sort of thing but um yeah uh, i mean that happens to me literally all the time even this year i learned so the lessons this year were um so we planted corn in april this year because it was dry and mm -hmm. then it got really cold in may we had low 20s a couple nights in may um, yeah. so it took corn an extra couple weeks to come up yeah um, normally if corn's clean by v4 v5 so about a foot tall mm -hmm. it, it, we're good to go and literally i like i'm scouting fields i'm like everything's clean we're good and it's still cool and the corn's taking a while to canopy all of a sudden the herbicide starts breaking and we had late season weed breaks and yeah man you know now i know next time this ever happens again i'm never going to do that we're going to check corn mm -hmm. later and it's just the amazing been, part in this business though is you'll catch it you'll do that right but something else will happen and you'll be like son of a yeah oh yeah and then you're got, like, how did i not see that coming well and i spot check fields and i'm like oh they're good and then you know you come back a week later and you're like now it's past herbicide label crap yeah you know, now, now what do i do yeah yeah, yeah I, I feel that i feel it on my side anyway i don't see it necessarily on the agronomic side of course but, oh yeah we, you know, I think in, in agriculture in general, we just all experience every year is something new Yep, 20, that we've 20. never seen before. Like history, what what is it? History never repeats itself, but sometimes it rhymes. And that's like, put that on a cross stitch and a pillow on your couch. You yeah. know, like, 2020 is one of those years, though, where it's usually I can get a handle on stuff and I'm usually ahead of things. 2020 mm -hmm. was like, you know, one day I'm looking at a field looks great. I literally had this happen. I looked at the field, everything's good. Two days later, I have a neighbor call me. And he's like, what happened to that guy's corn? It's all yellow. And I'm like, whatever, you know, I just looked at it. Yeah. I go down, I'm like, holy crap. It went from being just fine to sulfur deficient in two days. How is this? Oh. Yeah. And then they don't get rain for a month. And then we put sulfur on and it can't go on the plants. So and then for a month I get phone calls. Why is that guy corn or why is that guy's right. corn still yellow? I'm like, ah, oh, man. Fix it. Stop it. Stop letting it be yellow. Yeah. It just. No, uh, I'm. <laughs> I feel that I feel it just like I said differently like right now with the market coming back up like everyone you know where we were at at the beginning of this year like what we were looking at when COVID hit was a nightmare you know from a market price standpoint no one knew what was going to happen and as a risk manager your job isn't to you know well I hope it'll turn around like you're not even supposed to use those words you know and <clears throat> so you're sitting here like I don't okay, we can, let's come up with a plan of how we protect ourselves, you know, and you spend all of this time doing all of these things to make sure that if the market falls completely out of bed, you know, we're not going broke. Like we're at least covering ourselves in a, in a situation to where, you know, put your helmet on sort of thing, you know, and now here we are, the USDA did a historical cut to acreage in June. You know, we never are this dry in August. Like we have the driest August on record, even though forecasts at the start of the month were for us not to be that dry. You know what I mean? And so you have this little rally here in, in August and some of the smartest people I know in this market have, feel, have been wrong, they feel like for so long, which is not necessarily the case. You know what I mean? But that's how they feel. And you're just so frustrated because you're like, well, I should have seen this coming. And it's like, really? You should have seen... You know, like like you said with the, the sulfur deficiency, you know what I mean? Like, yep. it's never happened that way before. Mother Nature's never worked that way before. She's not going to do that to you. You know, it's the same thing on the market side. Like, how are you supposed to see a historical adjustment from the USDA? You're not. Like, you're just hoping they make a change, not, you know, necessarily thinking that it that it'll happen.
well, it's the same thing with the dairy guys. So I had guys that went from dumping milk and worrying about how they're going to make money this year to mm-hmm. getting $24 per hundred weight, like highest prices they've seen in a year or two. And, you know, those guys are going to do probably pretty decent. And then some of that CPAP money made its way to them and like all the other stuff. So these guys are doing really well now or been really pretty decent. Yeah. But yeah. You know, in April, it was like the, the sky is falling pretty much. So. And yeah. who knows that it was going to go back up, but yeah, I just, yeah. you can't predict stuff this year. That's been the struggle. I think for a lot of guys, it, you know, we talked, um, you know, the wife and I've talked about stuff and it's just like, yeah, I like, I just don't feel right this year. So I've been kind of mm-hmm. like talking to people and trying to figure that out. But yeah, I think everybody's mental health this year has been just, it's oh, not yeah. good. It's not good at all. And when you're struggling with mental health, one of the biggest things you want to do is try to control everything. And so it goes back to that whole, you know, we go yep. full circle to the perfectionism thing, you know, and, and that, that is one of those things that we've really seen this 2020 has been rough. I mean, the last couple of years have been rough. Um, and you know, it just feels like anymore, the weather is, is getting more difficult to pin down, but you know, the forecasts are getting harder to believe, um, you know, and then you have some of these changes that you would never anticipate. You know, so I get a lot of customers that come in and they're like, well, I didn't expect us to have a global pandemic. <laughs> really? Did anyone? You know what I mean? Like, well, and then- I remember talking about it in, uh, um, in peer group in January, like right around the new year. And we're like, yeah, China's got this virus, whatever. We won't even hear it. It'll be like Ebola. You know what I mean? Like we'll hear about it for three weeks and then no one will care anymore. And all of a sudden here we are 27 years later. Yeah. Megan, Megan actually <laughs> went to wear a mask by myself in the shower. Well, they have like a couple of people in Seattle tested positive at the airport. Mm-hmm. And then like the next week, Megan flew to Seattle to see your great aunt. I'm like, yeah. whatever, you know, no big deal. And then now, you know, a month later, we would have been like freaking out about it. Yeah. Yeah. It just. Carl did. He went to uh, Commodity Classic. Okay. In February. And we talked about it. But we're like, man, you're fine. You know, and then he got back and he was home for all the 10 days where they're like, no more travel. And I'm like, really? Probably should have like quarantined you in a hotel when you got back, you know, just because like you said, you wouldn't have thought anything about it. Yeah. But, you know, here we sit. Well, and even for us. So. There we've had. I, I'm I'm sure Charlotte's not the uh, protest capital of Michigan, but um, Milwaukee's protest. They yeah. one day they decided that they were going to take that to the suburbs. So that, well, obviously I live in the suburbs of Milwaukee. So they were like meeting a half mile from my house the next day, and they were going to like show how racist our county is. And Ugh, yeah, and, yeah, there's a big march, and nothing happened. And they're like, well, that's that's weird. I'm like people are usually pretty decent people, you know, it's not yeah. like everybody's going to tell you that you're bad, but, and then, so we dealt with that. And then this week, the thing that happened in Kenosha, yeah. uh, Megan's parents have a boat in the Marina in Kenosha. And mm-hmm. they were there on Sunday when the whole thing went down. Uh, and it's like yeah. a half a mile from where the protests and we were burning businesses down. And so, yeah, that's just been kind of nuts. It adds a whole other level. I mean, for us, when we went to Wisconsin, we were, we were just going to go through Chicago. Yeah, you know why? Where else are you gonna go? You just go through Chicago. What the heck? You know we hate it, but we we're just like, yeah. Um, and then everything happened. We're like, no. <laughs> I I didn't want to get caught. You know what I mean? Like you see the the protesters crossing the highway anymore and yep. some of that stuff. And so yeah, there is a level of you know, and, and it, 
will it really happen? Probably not. You know what I mean? Like how many people are going about their lives relatively normal without experiencing some sort of catastrophic, you know, influence from something like this? Like we, you and I are, you know, but does it get you thinking differently? Yeah, it does me. I mean, we're not going to Chicago anytime soon. We, we've been wanting to. Colton loves aquariums. I would love to take him to the aquarium. It would be the coolest thing. But we're both like, nope. You know, but we're, it's just the way we are right now. We'll just kind of, we'll see what happens over the next year or so. I had one guy that wanted to go to Iowa earlier this summer uh, to go look at crops because he always does like a little crop tour. He'll drive Mm -hmm. around. He's like, oh, I was afraid if I drive out to Iowa, I'm going to run into protesters and I'm going to get really mad and want to beat one of them up. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. where are you going in Iowa that you get protesters? (laughs) What happens if I drive through Des Moines? And I'm like, I haven't heard of any major protests in Des Moines. Quad cities are pretty scary. Like, make sure you stay, stay on that. Yeah, yeah, that's what uh, you know. But yeah, that's I wouldn't be too much worried about that. I am interested to see though, and this is kind of totally off topic, which should not come unexpected for me. But what rural America looks like in a decade? Yeah. Uh, because I do feel that your organizations, your suburbs will go out more. But the thing about people who live in suburbs is they love the convenience. Yep. And so you're not going to have someone like me. So I'd lived in, in the Lansing area. I live in a town that's a suburb. We're 10 minutes, 15 minutes from downtown Lansing. You know what I mean? Like I, that 20, let's say 25 from downtown Lansing. So I have access to all of the things that come with Lansing and I had gotten used to it. I'd been here for five years and then I moved to Algona, Iowa where you have to drive three hours to get to Des Moines. Like the biggest city close to you is Spencer or Mason city. And they're both 45 minutes away. You know, you can go to Fort Dodge if you really want to, Um, you know, and and that was hard for, I didn't, I didn't like it. Um, And so it's going to be interesting to see if these people maintain living you know what I mean? Like, because they are, you are going to see that. You are going to see a, a move from urban centers, I believe, to rural areas. It's great for rural area infrastructure, but then it doesn't become rural. Yeah, so, we've, had, um, we've had the subdivisions near some fields that uh, I kind of help on or farm with, but um, there's a bunch of people in there that get mad when guys drive through with tractors. There's a few fields in the subdivision still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of them got pulled over for speeding and I was like, well, how fast are you going? He goes, my tractor only goes 24.8 miles an hour. The <laughs> speed limit is 25. You know, and I was driving green cart one day through, um, we have like, a, like an unincorporated town next to us and I was driving green cart through it and there was Halloween and the kids were on one side of the road and I don't even know why they were trick or treating. There's like 20 houses and I'm like, all right, so I'm doing like 14 something. I was in F1 on a IVT transmission, which is like max speed is like 12 something. And I'm like, wow. all right, I'll put it down and lower speed. And I'm driving through town and they're like flipping me off, telling me to slow down. I'm like, I'm way over on the other side of the road. There's kids are all the way on that side. There's no one here. And it's just like, oh, it's going to get worse. I've had people. Oh, it's, yeah, it's going to be terrible. And then all of these people that we're talking about how great rural America is on Twitter are going to be pissed. <laughs> Because you're going to lose it. You know what I mean? Like, you want to be like, no, this sucks. Like, we don't even have a hospital here. Like, you can't break an arm. You've got to go to urgent care and the doctor's the vet on Fridays. You know what I mean? Like, you want to make sure that people don't want to go there. Have you ever seen that movie Doc Hollywood? That's how it is. Right? (laughs) That's just it. Have you ever shopped at a Kmart? (laughs) 
well, do I have news for you? Come to Iowa, and that's all you get. <laughs> like, I used to work at Kmart when I was a kid. So. Oh, man, that's what it was. And, I, and I'll go to Iowa, they, and they shut it down after we yeah. moved. So now all you got is Dollar General and a high yeah. yeah, I've been in northern Illinois, and there's, like, little towns that all they have is a freaking Dollar General. And It's nuts. It's my hometown crazy. is the same way they closed the uh, – we were one-stop town or one-stop light town. And yeah. all they have is Dollar General now. They closed the uh, the grocery stores closed. That's the same it is in the town I grew up. No grocery. Well, there's one grocery store. It's IGA, which I don't think is IGA anymore. Okay. Um, and we have a Dollar General. Yep. Yeah. My hometown people are like, well, what what was it like eating food there? I'm like, we had Dairy Queen. And they're like, yeah. that's it? I was like, yep. And it then we got Queen. Subway. And then we had a McDonald's eventually after I left. But I'm like, yeah, yeah, I grew up with Dairy Queen. And that was it. Yeah. But in Indiana, you have to have a McDonald's. It's like how it is in Michigan. Yeah. Every town with more than a thousand people gets a McDonald's, and I that's just, beautiful because then you can get something on your way to work. Where when I lived in Iowa, like there was, my sister's like, "Just swing by McDonald's." I'm like, "There isn't one." Like you don't understand. Yeah. Like I, there is not a McDonald's. Like you can't go below a quarter tank of gas because there's no guarantee that town has a working gas station anymore unless you have a co-op card. My favorite thing moving up here was uh, my cousins actually live up here. I have a, some family up here and yeah. a gym and my cousin's family, like my aunt and uncle are actually from Indiana and uh, we go to their varsity high school basketball game and it's like Nathan Hill high school, which is West Dallas. It's a big suburb of Milwaukee. And I'm like, there's like 5,000 kids at this school. Isn't there? And they're like, Oh, like two or 3000. Like how many seats are in this gym? They're like 500. I'm like my high school gym a town of 2,000 people had 1,800 seats in our gym. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. You guys are weird. World. Yeah. It's, I feel that way here. Like I said, I mean, it was really kind of one of those things and it, that, uh, you know, I'm spoiled now. Like, like, there's no putting me in Iowa. Like, I remember, <laughs> this, I remember telling Carl, poor Carl, like, one Sunday morning randomly, it was, like, minus 25 with a wind chill of minus 40, and all I wanted was something from McDonald's and we literally sat there for like 10 minutes and no one wanted to help us. And he's like, it's and he pulls out and I'm mad. Like, I hate it here. <laughs> it just came out. Well, so I, so we'll see what rural America looks like. <laughs> I married somebody from Naperville, Illinois. So she's, she grew up in like suburbs of Chicago. So then we moved her up here and even here is kind of like, yeah, it's all right. I mean, it's, we had plenty of stuff in, in suburbs of Milwaukee, but you know, we eventually want to move a little further out just because my business isn't like right here. I drive 30 minutes to everybody from where I'm at. Yeah. And it used to work and locations 30 minutes from here, but now I'm here and then I have to drive 30 minutes everywhere. But, um, so eventually we want to move out and she's just like, Oh, it's going to be so far away. And I'm like, when I was a kid, we grew up, if I wanted to go to a mall, it was an hour. I'm like, if I wanted to go to any kind of like decent place, it was like 15 minutes to go to a restaurant. Yeah. You know, a good grocery store was 45 minutes away. I'm like, this is nothing. If we move 20 minutes from here, those towns are just about as big as the one. Right, exactly. It's what I'm used to. Yeah. Yeah. And we're halfway between Madison and Milwaukee, but yeah, what, whatever. There's an outlet mall even just down the road. So yeah, that's what, you know, like I said, I mean, I didn't understand the difference in here versus there until I was there. And so it'll, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see, you know, what, level of you know because it's not the people in Des Moines like Des Moines is a really nice town at mm -hmm. least it will be for the next 10 or 15 years right it's not those people that are moving out because people 
from rural Iowa are moving to Des Moines. Like that's why it's, you can't even drive through Madrid anymore without it expanding, you know? Um, it's the people from like, you know, California, where are they going to go when they leave? Are they going to stay? You know, it's like, um, it'll be interesting. Like Texas is dealing with it, right? Texas has experienced a lot of that influx of people being like, wow, they're, you know, taxes are low. They're this, they're that. We got to go to Texas. And now they're there and they're voting for the same things that they were leaving. You know, it's just, it's going to be really interesting to watch. Like I, everyone's always like, Oh, 2020. And I'm even doing it. You know, 2020 is so crazy. 2020 is undefeated. Well, you know, put on your helmets, man. Cause it's only going to get crazier. Yeah. It's, I don't know what people are going to end up doing. It's, I don't know what the future is going to hold. That's the scariest thing I think about this year has just been like, what's going to happen after this? Are we going to be wearing masks forever? Yeah. Uh, is Joe Biden going to be president? And then we're going to have, you know, an illegal mask mandate nationwide, which he can't even do, but, you know, yeah. all the way up to the States. But yeah, I just don't know what the future is going to hold for a lot of stuff. And I mean, like me calling on growers, I mean, obviously you're not driving around calling on guys all day, but I do. Yeah. And um, yeah, I've got guys that are like afraid to tell me to wear a mask because they don't want me to get mad about it. And I'm yeah. like, you want me to wear a mask? Really? It's fine. Just say yeah, something. Yeah, just tell me you want, you know, that is the one nice thing I will say about the mandate is there's yeah. no question. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there's no, That's, it's almost, it's almost nice. Now there's a couple of places I go to that it is, because we, we're in Michigan, it is mandated. But yeah. like when I go to my chiropractor, they're just like, if you're cool, we're cool. You know what I mean? Like it feels yeah. like I'm back in college again, you know? Like, well, we've got, cool, I'm cool with it. But, around here if you walk into quick trip they're not going to tell you to wear one um mm -hmm. you know they have signs and everything but they're they're afraid their employees are going to get like beat up if they tell you to. yeah which is ridiculous on. yeah i just yeah. don't understand that either it's just but this should not be the world we live in that's the no. part that i don't like yeah um you know i don't like the division i hope we can figure out a way to fix that yeah you know like we can have differing opinions um, whether it's market, you know, like how we started with the beef, like, do you guys have beefs? You know what I mean? But like, you have differing opinions, but you can learn a lot from other people. And I feel like right now we're losing that last part. Like yeah. if you have a different opinion, obviously you're wrong. Like God forbid, you know, and that's what I was saying about on Twitter where I'm like, I really like to try to question how people think. Like it may, not, I may put something out there that's not 100% even in line with my whole way of thinking, because it's not necessarily about me in that sense you know what i mean i just yeah. like to start the conversation i'm also really bad about being like here's the bomb i'm gonna walk away from. i got some yeah this morning and last night was a little bit bad uh -huh. even chad no chad stuff last night jeez oh chad stuff's in it yeah <laughs> that's when you're just like you see it you're like sometimes it's just nicer not to well and i had so i've had a customer um last year we were talking about something and you know, we were talking about some farm policies and stuff and I, mm -hmm. I said something about it and he, he just kind of like clams up and I'm like, what's, what's going on? He's like, well, I don't want to say much. I'm like, what, what's going on? Yeah. Well, I, I just don't agree with what Trump said about this. I'm like, cool. You don't have to feel bad about that. I yeah. Said, like, fine. Not... He's like, well, if I disagree with Trump, people get mad. I'm like, no, nah, that's not really how it works. I'm like, he yeah, can be wrong too. It's, it's fine. I'm like the president yeah. isn't always right. But yeah. yeah, that's, we are so divided anymore. It's like, you know, if you don't support Black Lives Matter, you're racist. Yeah. But if you do support Black Lives Matter, you might actually still be a racist. Right? If it's you just, do support them, you're a rioter. Yeah. That's, 
you know what I mean? Like that's the problem where if you because obviously they're a they're a terrorist group or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, uh, I, I can do. Uh, but, I grew up right. in like the the white supremacist <laughs> capital of Northwest Indiana, where the KKK had its like resurgence in the twenties. Oh yeah, look at with Wisconsin. Like, yeah. there's a whole entire section in their little tiny museum that talks because Wisconsin was a Confederate state. Okay. <laughs> they didn't even put the Underground Railroad through Wisconsin. Yeah. Either. So welcome to. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? But it's crazy. No, I, like I so I don't know if you've ever been to Lacrosse, Indiana, which is Lacrosse is no. like the middle of freaking nowhere. But Lacrosse yeah. had this bar, the Kruger Corner Club, KKK. And then oh, Coutts, Indiana, which is next door to Lacrosse, had the Coutts Coffee Cup, KKK. Oh my god! Like, <laughs> so my sister was talking to me last night, and she's like, oh, "I just there's there's a lot more white supremacists than you think." And I'm like, "Yeah, you because that's where you live." I'm like, "Right, you live not, there, you see it." Yeah, that's like not the kid necessarily... that shot the protesters in in Kenosha. I said he wasn't a white supremacist; he shot white people. <laughs> yeah, he just was mis. I don't. Yeah, I, the kids. Cool. Yeah, we're not gonna get in that one too much. I think the kid screwed up by crossing state no. lines. And it's amazing though. Sometimes what we're seeing, and it all goes back to division and loss of human empathy. Yeah. I think. like forgetting that you know other people also have thoughts and emotions, and it's not black and white. You know, I said that yesterday. No. There's no right answer. There's never a right answer because human nature doesn't work that way. Yeah. What's right for me and you doesn't necessarily mean it's right for them and, you know, vice yeah. versa. And so it's just unfortunate we live in a gray world and some people want to view it as black, you know, black and white, not even talking about race, but so, so yeah. I should probably end the recording at some point here. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, yeah, that's going to be it for that one. So I, yeah. I, that was nice to at least talk to you. Um, I always talk about it on the peer group, and I'm like, I don't know what I bring to this because I just kind of sit here and watch the time. No, join in. Though. When I, I mean, try I really... to talk about stuff, I don't really know much about margins and puts and calls and some of the other stuff that everyone's talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, I... Like, I'm an agronomist. And you got questions about roots? We can look at the roots. Right. That's what I, mean. I like to have the agronomic. Like, that's a lot of times why I'll ask Matt. So speak up too. You know, part of the reason that I asked Matt is because I know he spends so much time looking and traveling and he has that whole yield corn, yep. whatever thing. And so, like, I'll ask Don a lot of the same questions because Don Stahl and he do the NGCA or whatever. They all, and so they spend so much time so looking at different things. I got to meet Don at a meeting up here. Yeah. Um, and I was wearing a Stahl agronomy hat. So You I, were? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Mine, it's not spelled the same, but when they but came over, they almost pronounced the same. Yeah. yeah. Well, they have there's S T A L L S T U L L S T O L L S T A H L. It just depended on who wrote All it down and how they wrote it. Yeah. So he just like stares at my hat the whole time. <laughs> just like <laughs> that's just because Don's kind of awkward. Like, he's the nice. Oh, you can guy. tell. Yeah, but he doesn't under he doesn't like that. He likes the the what he gets to do. But he's not big on the what comes with it, but yeah. you know it pays well. Um, and so why wouldn't he? You know, and he and I have had those conversations several different times. You know, because a lot of times we've been at the same places. Yeah. That you know, and uh, but I work, I buy grain from him, and he and his dad's even nicer than he is, which is amazing. Okay. You know, like if you like Don, you would love Doug. Okay. So. Well, thanks, Angie. 
Yeah, um, thank you. It was kind of nice talking to you and seeing you face to face for once. Right? So. Yeah, keep me posted. Let me know if I can help you with anything. Okay. All right. Talk to you later.